From the Atonement Fargo Studios on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota, this is That Podcast. Hey, to contact the crew, submit your questions or comments, go to atonement.live slash podcast questions. And now, here's those crazy people with That Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and I'm joined, as always, by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah D. Young. And today, we welcome back to the program, Mark Soljum. Wow, what an intro. You like wow. that? Yeah. Is there a that red, that red box? It. Grab that red box. I need like no, a, I, need, oh. I need like a tally mark on the wall. The number of podcasts that I've sat in. Yeah. I'm now on two. Oh. oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel uh, I feel welcomed. This is our large studio audience here of box from mainline China. Back again, the <laughs> the voice of that podcast. The voice of that podcast. Uh, uh, how are you, Mark? I'm well. I'm good. well. It is good to be here. Thank you for having me back. Good. I'm glad that you are back. So um, we wanted you back because Paul, Pastor Paul Cross, mm. wanted to hear your faith story because he must not know it. Apparently not. Uh, we've known each other for many years. I apparently have never shared my faith story with him. Uh, so, Paul, if you're listening, and you should be listening, here it goes. If you're not, why aren't you? you if you're not, why aren't you? You can't be back on the podcast if you're not a regular listener. Where well, have you been? Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm having fun with this new toy, Uh-oh. so before you go, here it is. Oh. <laughs> DJ's got a new toy. Welcome to vaudeville there. <laughs> I'm going to just enjoy this for the rest of the, sh- the rest of the podcast. Remind me not to give you that, that toy next time. Oh, fun. Well, face stories are interesting, aren't they? Because um, I do not have one of those face stories where on October 12th, 19 so-and-so, uh, I was in a field and, and you know, uh, God spoke to me and I, I became a Christian. I, I don't have one of those stories. I have one of these uh, sort of slow drip stories. I think I um, I just coined that term. Do you like that? <laughs> I do. Slow That's drip good. faith story. Yeah. yeah. Slow I'm, drip Christianity. If you know me, I'm, I'm really good at making up words. Um, <laughs> because all words are made up really, aren't they? Yeah, sure So they are. why shouldn't I continue the tradition? They're just noises. They're just noises, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, you know, I, uh, uh, I grew up in the church. I was uh, baptized at atonement um, as an infant and uh, grew up in the church. I had a, a, um, loving, faith-filled parents. Um, I still have a loving, faith-filled parent. Um, my dad has passed away, but my mom is still around. Um, and uh, they, uh, they raised me in the faith. And, you know, I didn't think much of it. And uh, I was involved in in a youth program uh, and uh, um, but I wouldn't consider myself sort of a um, um, sold out Christian I you know I was um, I did it because I had that community um, and I, um, it was important to me though and my faith was important to me um, and then when I um, got to college I was trying to figure out what I w- was going to do um, and I had about six majors before I started college, and then about three more once I, you know, got into college. Um, and I really felt a calling from God to uh, go deeper 
um, into my faith and, and maybe serve. And so uh, uh, going into my junior year of college, um, uh, I ended up transferring schools um, and declaring that I was going to go off to seminary um, after some wrestling with God about, about what to do. And I, I felt that that was my calling. And I spent two summers working at a Bible camp um, at Luther Crest Bible Cat Camp in Alexandria, Minnesota. Um, and I have some really fond memories of that time. That is um, um, some great friends uh, during that time. And, and uh, man, when you spend, you know, all day, all summer with somebody, uh, you really get to know them uh, for, for better or for worse, I suppose, sometimes. But uh, Warts and all. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then I came back and probably more awards after spending. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. And there was no, this is not. So inspiration point is a posh camp compared to what Luther Crest was at the time. Uh, it was, uh, there was no air conditioning to be found. And, uh, so there were warm summers, but it was good. Uh, uh, I got started in the seminary and, uh, um, I had this sort of, um, my faith was growing yet. Um, challenged at the same time as, as um, at the time at Luther, there was, and DJ can attest to this too, because he went through some of this. Um, it was when um, our Lutheran denomination was going to merge with another body, and um, there was a lot of sort of in infighting about, uh, about the nature of faith and what was important, and... Um, got kind of ugly at points. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. And that was... Uh, there were there were camps. There, there were, were camps, yes. And if you didn't uh, align with those camps, it was hard. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for me. And uh, um, I really had a crisis at that point, and I struggled. Um, I had a heart for evangelism. I had a heart for reaching people with um, the God that had revealed himself to me and... Um, had meant so much to me, but, and I felt that call, but I, I just really had a tough time sort of finding my niche and, and fitting in at that point. Cause those camps were, were arming for battle and I felt sort of stuck in the middle sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I went off, that was after two years of seminary. I went off to my internship and I spent, uh, my internship supervisor was none other than pastor Paul Cross at that time, he was at St. Mary Magdalene Lutheran Church, which is a mouthful. And you have to wonder if it's Catholic or Lutheran because it's, it's <laughs> kind of dual-minded. Um, I, uh, I spent one Sunday there with him, and I came in to visit with him the, the next, I think it was Monday. And I, and I laid out my heart, and I said, I, I just, you know, I'm, I can't proceed right now because I don't know how I fit and where I fit. Um, and he was very gracious. Um, he could have been angry. He could have been whatnot, but he was very gracious. Um, and so um, I stepped away from seminary. Um, I spent time in the IT field. Uh, it was just sort of a, a another passion of mine. And um, and I, I spent time sort of wrestling with that, where I, I felt far from from God wasn't distant. Um, but my faith was, was less flamey, I guess. That's not a great word either, but, um, um, I had a hard time sort of, um, 
coming to grips with organized church and and the faith that I knew. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, my family moved back to Fargo-Moorhead, and we came here, and I had sort of uh, a resurgence of, of my faith and um, um, kind of came to grips with who I am and the gifts that God has given me. And, uh, um, and I got laid off from the job that I was doing, and I was looking for another job in the IT field. And uh, I, uh, I even I applied for several of them. I was offered several um, good offers. And uh, in fact, I even spent a day on one of the jobs. Um, and every time God closed that door and said, no, nope, um, that's not what I want you to do right now. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, what, what then? What? What? Yeah, what? <laughs> Just tell me, all right? I need a burning bush. I yeah, really do. Exactly. Uh, and I got, I got that strong uh, sense that it's time for you to go back into what I called you to originally back into ministry. And I'm like, okay. Um, and so I had a conversation with the pastor uh, at Atonement at the time. It was Randy Freund, and uh, he had been here like, I don't know, two months maybe going to say like 10 minutes. Yeah, he had not been here long. He was an interim pastor. And I I laid out my heart. I said, "Here's here's where I'm at." And he said, uh he said, "Mark, he said I'm going to hire you." Not exactly sure why, but uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit's telling me to hire you. And uh and so I did, and I've been working here for 7 years, and as that time has gone by, um I've realized that um that all along God had been preparing me for the things that I need to do now. And so it's interesting, even when you feel sort of far away from God, he, uh, he's working on you. Even when you can't see him, uh, he's there uh, um, helping you to grow and, and, and moving you along, even in dark times. And so... Um, well, especially in those dark times, he's preparing you for what's coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about, you know, could you do... And I, we all have our, our points of pride, but, I mean, can you honestly assess yourself and say that you would have been ready to do what you're doing now right out of Mary Magdalene? No, church? no. I, I, uh, um, so many things I learned from my time uh, working in IT. I had uh, one of the most amazing uh, bosses, uh, was my first boss working in that IT field, who uh, was a, a, a just a built-in leader and instilled so many things in me and helped kind of fan the flames of that. And so um, really saw stuff in me and helped me to, to grow and to grow into that. Uh, and then uh, the irony is sort of um, after been working here for a couple of years, then we were looking for a pastor and I was part of the search committee. And we were interviewing none other than Pastor Paul Cross. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw the name and, you know, I'd been talking about it and I was like, wow, this is going to be weird and awkward. Um, and I thought, does he remember me? And, and uh, um, Paul will tell the story. He said uh, the first call was like a Zoom or a FaceTime or something. I don't remember. Uh, but he goes, he said, Mark, he said, uh, of course I remember you. And when I saw your face pop up on the screen, he said, ah, God, we have unfinished business. <laughs> and he said, I guess I'm going to North Dakota. And he said, I knew it right at the beginning when I saw your face. So 
And so Paul has been a fabulous mentor even um, even now and has helped me sort of see, you know, uh, here's how your gifts fit into the kingdom. And it may not look how other people think it looks for you, um, but God has a place uh, for you to do that work. And he's been a great mentor and uh, an advocate. And because of that, I I went back and I finished my MDiv and uh, I'm working towards ordination. So um, here I am. And you're back in IT. Yeah. Oddly enough. <laughs> Oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. For those of you uh, uh, out there listening, if you've caught our broadcasts, um, you've seen the quality go up and up and up mm-hmm. uh, every week. And that's the brainchild of Mark. Uh, well, thank you. But uh, uh, it, it is it is fascinating. Um, the skills that you have that you think, oh, you know, this isn't overly useful. God has found a way to, to utilize that. Um, and so I, I'm just blessed to be able to serve. So, and... Uh, um, yeah, and I, I, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, faith is not a uh, is not as easy as sort of sitting down and having a conversation with someone in person. Um, but when I when I take the time and I and I spend that time uh, alone with God in in study, um, uh, sometimes things are super clear and sometimes they're not. But but it it has been a a positive in my life. So. That's my faith story, and I'm sticking to it. Cool. <laughs> yep. It's a good one. I like it. Um, and I don't know if I, when I introduced, I was so excited about giving you a razzle-dazzle intro that I probably didn't say, Mark, you are the director of ministries here at Atonement. So yes. Thank you. Yeah. Minis- you're welcome. Ministries? Yeah, plural. Remember last time I said ministry. Oh. Uh, yeah. Is there more than one? Oh, I took, I took lashings for that. <laughs> It wasn't for me, was it? <laughs> no, I did. I, I wouldn't know lash. <laughs> so I, it's an interesting title, and because we're Lutheran, uh, you know, if if we happen to be evangelical free, it would be much cleaner. I would be <laughs> the executive pastor because mm-hmm. that's essentially the same skill set. Uh, but because we're Lutheran, uh, that that title. Uh, uh, is the title pastors is reserved for someone who is called and ordained usually mm-hmm. in those churches. So yeah. I don't have a whip on here, but I have this. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mark, for bringing. I that think that, that is a, tr- a that great a, yeah. addition to our podcast. I do too. Yes. That was a truth bomb right there. Ooh. Yeah, ooh, lay down a truth bomb. mic truth, drop truth. right there without <laughs> without an expensive replacement. Yeah, don't drop the <laughs> mic. Drop them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, DJ's mic dropped itself enough. Uh, Prior to uh, prior to us getting some some new mic stands, uh, doesn't make much sense since no one can see us. But I was doing the limbo. Yeah. You, you were sort of doing a limbo over there. So, Mark, thanks for sharing that. Um, I appreciate that. And and uh, um, I, I want to add a, a question, just something yeah. I wondered about. I mean, um, you know, I I I hear like a lot of similarities in the faith story that comes from people who, who grew up in, in the Lutheran tradition. I mean, it's, it's not a, an aha moment. It's a God's always been there. God's in relationship with me. Cause you're, you're brought up in the faith that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you were also, um, trying to use the right word here. You're, you're, you're also an excellent musician. Mm-hmm. Is that something that 
is from your family? Is that something that um, you developed in church and in school? I mean, where where does where did that gift come from? Because you've you've used that um, wonderfully for for ministry here, and have you always used that here? Um, yeah, you know, I uh, um, I will. Uh, I will reveal more than I probably should about myself, but uh, I was in the Red River Red River Boy Choir in junior high, mm-hmm. um, and uh, um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I have some some um, f- good friends that I made through that, um, and so I've always uh, sung. Um, and then in high school, um, we started sort of the first contemporary band, and I I played bass for it. Um, the first band here. Yeah. Cool. Well, there was, uh, uh, there was, uh, like some folk songs that they would do. Atonement has always been willing to sort of experiment. Yeah. And so they did, um, some old stuff called Chicago folk service for a while and with added instruments and, uh, um, but the first sort of electric guitars, bass and drums stuff, um, I got to be sort of involved with that along with, uh, a shout out to John Quabell. Uh, who uh, is a member here? Um, uh, he and I were, you know, making tunes before, before it was cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have to laugh because you know it was contemporary and cutting edge then. And you look back and it's like, wow, it's pretty tame. <laughs> 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 but uh, so uh, I've always. And then um, uh, at camp, I spent quite a bit of time uh, leading and playing guitar, um, and I love playing guitar. And that's kind of where I learned to. Um, um, be a worship leader was mm-hmm. at camp because you get to you're like oh you're out on a camp out uh you have a guitar nobody else does can you lead us in a few songs mm-hmm. so um yeah you get used to that and that's fun and then uh I, i've always loved sort of I, I have a heart for music it's it's in my family i very uh musical siblings and parents and so um yeah that's great and and both sides of my family my my mom's side and my dad's side and so I can, uh, um, you know, you for Lutheran ministers, many of them went to camp and had a very um, transformative experience mm-hmm. before going to seminary. Yes. And then they, at least at the time that you and I were going, they take that transformative experience of a radical God who shows up right where you are um, and can use things like a guitar or, uh, and they professionalize you, or at least they did, in the time that I recall, was that um, unexpected when you went to seminary? That that I, I was shocked by that a bit. There are two things that surprised me at seminary was that this is the way we do it, mm-hmm. but what we think about God is all over the map. Mm. Like like the faith that we believe, teach, and confess is nuanced to the nth degree, which was great for you know. Um, scholar scholarly thinking and and learning to think different ways but when it came to how you do ministry it was like here you go uh one size fits all was that your experience uh yes yes um and i think that was a frustrating experience Mm -hmm. for me a very frustrating because um at camp it was like all right uh here's the tenets of faith and don't deviate too far from these because we've got um you know, kids that, that are struggling. And the last thing they need to, uh, hear is, is, uh, some nuanced take on, on, you know, the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Um, or, and there's or like, 
50% of the Bible, it's not true. Right, right. <laughs> or, yeah, exactly, like uh, the historical criticism method. Right. Um, and so that was that was hard. And it, it's I'm glad that I've been exposed to those things. Um, but, you know, with the different camps of people sort of, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, they're right. This is wrong. Uh, no, this is right. This is wrong. That was hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was really frustrating was I had come uh, from a tradition here to Tolman and also at camp where, like, uh, anything short of sinning in order to reach people. And and uh, uh, so camp songs by the fire, you know, uh, a creative worship to help get the point across. I, that kind of stuff moves me. I, I've been working with a creative team as when I've been here, and I and I love that. I love the use of drama and and skits and video, um, and uh, that didn't fit into the mold at the time. Uh, I, you're absolutely right, and I think that being raised here in this church family, um, atonement doesn't fit that mold. No, it, it, it and I don't know if it ever did. No, that this is how you do church, and this is what it looks like because. Um, I, I get the sense that the DNA of this place is we love God, we love people, uh, we 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 trust that the the Bible is true, yep. and we want to not just um, stand before God in the sacred way, but to stand and praise Him with joy, and that comes out in in all over the place here, mm-hmm. and it's it's, it's cool. very different from. Mm-hmm. Um, what I learned at seminary, and yep. I came from a low church background, that uh, the high church stuff was a bit like, oh, I had no idea. I don't, I, why, you know, why is this that and that's this? Yep. Um, coming from from your background, where none of that was the norm, it it wasn't the smells and bells and the clericals and all that stuff. It had to be, I I can see how that would be like, what in the world is? Yeah, and as years have passed, I I found kindred spirits. I have found people that, that feel the same, like, uh, um, you know, let, let's be creative in, in how we reach people. And, um, um, unfortunately those kindred spirits have had similar experiences that I had mm-hmm. where, uh, they uh, were ostracized by some that it's like, well, you're not doing it the right way. Um, do it better. Yeah. <laughs> Do it like they did in 1555. Yeah. I remember reading a, a Walt Callisted book um, in seminary, and he was a Lutheran pastor in Arizona, uh, Community Church of Joy. Um, and he, uh, he he talked about some unique ways that he was reaching people in that community uh, and having um, uh, um, some success in reaching people for the, for the gospel. And God, that was a dirty word around Luther, mm-hmm. so or a dirty name, and and it shouldn't be. Uh, you know, I I, I, I don't think, think he was teaching heresy. Yeah, I, I think he was just using some creative ways to to reach people where they were at. Well, and we've talked about this before, but the time that Mark and I were in seminary, and he was a couple years ahead of me, um, was really kind of the. You can tell by the gray hair. I yeah. know you can't see that on the podcast. <laughs> I'm working on catching up to you. Yeah. Well, I've had mine since I was 18, so you're going to have to catch up a little little quicker. But um, there, there was kind of this coming to grips with the fact that the way that we've done church isn't going to work into the future because the, 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 the culture has changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, 
that's just now starting to click at our former alma mater that, okay, we can't do things the same old way anymore. Yeah. And the writing's been on the wall for a long time. Yeah. Well, and, and we're facing another uh, shift as we speak. Yeah. Um, and uh, COVID-19 has just sort of pushed us along that way. As, as Ryan was pointing out earlier, um, we have stepped on from doing um, no live broadcasts to live broadcasts within a short period of time. And sort of, uh, I, I make the analogy to we're, we're, you know, we're remodeling the truck as we drive it along the road. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> lean a little to the left. I got to put a bigger tire on there. But uh, uh, so here's another shift um, in our world where people um, um, connect online, where people uh, form communities online, where uh, people are... Uh, uh, yeah, you know, maybe they're some of their closest friends. They're they're not physically around, mm-hmm. and uh, and getting them to sort of darken the door of a church, as we say, um, is is tricky. Uh, how do we reach them with the gospel? And so uh, we have just another opportunity to rethink how we do church and how we reach them, because um, it's the message of Jesus Christ that's important uh, and life giving, yep. uh, and not necessarily uh, you know whose pew you're sitting in or, or which hymn you sing or, uh, or, or even the order of worship. Um, so. Yeah. And yep. you use that word opportunity with COVID-19. We had the choice of saying, look at all the things we can't do anymore. Yeah. Or, Hey, look at all the things that we could do. Let's right. do that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do these live broadcasts. Let's, let's up our game here and reach people who, had probably no idea where Fargo was mm-hmm. or where North Dakota was, mm-hmm. you know, and now we're reaching those people. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, you know, in the last four months, we've started doing online broadcasts. Uh, you guys have launched this podcast, which, by the way, huge fan. Um, <laughs> Actually, we launched that podcast. That, that podcast. Sorry. Yeah. This I, podcast. I, I, I <laughs> misspoke <one>. there. <laughs> uh, uh, and we've, and we've, uh, you know, we've mastered using Zoom to do uh, all manner of things from uh, from staff meetings to life groups to reaching out to uh, youth to the confirmation age uh, meeting to, to online bingo of all things. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a hit. Uh, and uh, um, uh, people are still like, oh, we should do that again. Uh, so mm-hmm. all sorts of ways that, that we could have um, we could have sat and waited for it to get better. Um, but it seems like why not reach out and, and, and try and meet people where they're at. Yeah. So, yeah. I know somebody did for me and it made all the difference. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Cool. Well, another, another thing that people may or may not know about you, Mark. Oh no. Is that you're somewhat of an authority on the Star Wars universe and franchise. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, yeah, I guess I, 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 I'm a musician. Uh, I've done IT. I, I, I'm a leader here, and, and I like Star Wars. And you yeah. have the plans for the Death Star. <laughs> I, I, I do not have the plans for the Death Star. Uh, I thought that's what we were building here. Oh. It's just, you know, bit by bit. Soon, soon we'll have a fully operational. And the, I guess in the words of, of the emperor, I would say, good, good. <laughs> Uh, I, I have opinions about Star Wars, that's for sure. Well, spe- yeah, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the question I have 
um, in talking to people, sometimes religion in Star Wars comes up. Mm, yes. And they'll make comparisons to Christianity in Star Wars. And sometimes that never really fit well or sat well with me because when you think about Star Wars, at least for me, a, a, no, a novice, would that be the word? Um, you, you don't. I think it would be a Padawan. <laughs> Padawan. A, a Padawan learner if I'm... <laughs> You know, if we, we want to stick with the Star Wars theme, fair enough. <laughs> the, the, uh, there's no, there's no God in Star Wars, right? There's the Force, yeah. And and uh, could a comparison be made to faith in the Force? What what is sort of the comparisons, the the similarities and the differences? Yeah, that's interesting because uh, a lot of people are like, look at the faith that they're using, mm-hmm. um, but the faith is more sort of. Eastern faith, mm-hmm. uh, uh, closer may- maybe to Buddhism. Uh, you know, there there's meditation to tap into the power. There's there's sort of a a, a, a power all around you. Talk that they talk about, but it's disembodied. It's not uh, it's not a personal um, God that we speak of in the Christian faith. And uh, um, don't even get me started about whether midi chlorians are valid or not. But, um, Isn't that going to become non-canon? Isn't that like in an alternate universe? Is that- oh, we'll come to that. There's, <laughs> oh. there's some interesting theories there. But uh, uh, yeah, he was much more inspired by some of the Eastern uh, religion and thinking than it was Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a sort of connectedness and uh, uh, piece of that. And, and, even so, uh, they talk about when you die, you return to the force. Um, you know, that that has uh, shades of that same thing as well. Mm-hmm. When I think of, um, there, but they have lightsabers and we don't, <laughs> and so I mean, yeah, we do. The, ha- a lot of churches now though have like the fluorescent laser light walls and stuff. That could be pretty close. Oh man, when are we putting <laughs> those in? The, the uh, well, oh, what what do you call them? Ah. Uh, we have, uh, I, I forget the name, you have a fancy name for some, uh, it's not lasers really, but um, I don't remember. Some cool thing you just put in like a year ago maybe when I when I first started here. The hazer? Yes, the hazer. Oh. The hazer. Well, that's that's for when you, you want to visit Dagobah uh, and, <laughs> and see Yoda. Uh, then we just turn on the, the hazer and it kind of feels like a swamp. So. Yeah. So in um, in Hinduism, there's this concept of dharma, not karma, dharma. Mm-hmm. Uh, karma functions off of dharma, but dharma is basically not to be confused with shawarma, which is very good too, by the way. Something else completely. <laughs> but dharma is like the the life force that binds everything together and through which everything acts and. How you engage with other people, whether in a good way, a light way, or a or a bad way, mm-hmm. um, you know, light and dark, the light side of the force, dark side of the force, will affect um, you as well as everyone else around you. So when I think of where George Lucas was going with the force, was a more um, uh, engagement with that universal energy that you could actually manipulate and control. Mm-hmm. Um, karma is how dharma becomes something you can see, where if you do bad stuff, bad stuff's going to come back to you. If you do good stuff, good stuff's going to come back to you. Um, but there's also a philosophical 
um, worldview known as dualism that some people sometimes fall into thinking Christianity is like that, that God is the, the good side and the devil is the dark side and they're equal um, and opposing forces that are constantly in battle with each other, which is not a Christian worldview. Um, those two get intermixed, at least in the original four, five, and six. I don't know about one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. They kind of go all over the place. But that's, that's how I have understood um, kind of a religiosity uh, embedded in Star Wars is the idea mm. of the, the Hindu idea of Dharma. Well, so I've never seen Star Wars, so instead I watched Muter. the <laughs> second best uh, saga that I feel like a lot of people relate to Christianity, and that was Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to use oh. that for a while. So back now. to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So, no. so real Go movie ahead. franchises. What, what, about tw- what about Twilight? Because I have not seen Twilight. Well, have you ever seen a really bad Hallmark movie? Okay. Unfortunately, yes. This is worse than that. And I'm at the risk of offending some of your audience. Is there a good Hallmark movie? Sarah, what were you saying? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not a fan of Hallmark movies. I, I just, if, all right, uh, note to note to our viewers here. If you like Hallmark movies, I apologize. I'm just not a big fan. I think in in a very short time we have offended Star Wars fans, Twilight <laughs> fans, and Hallmark, Hallmark movie fans. Yeah. So yeah. We're, Mark, well, thanks for demographic. Mark, thanks for coming back for your second and last <laughs> visit to the podcast. No, I was just going to say, I feel like there's a lot of movies, though, where people are, you can grasp at straws and find relations through anything that, you know, this sort of looks like this. So, mm-hmm. Well, in yeah. fact, I heard a, an interesting uh, theory that, um, uh, that Harry Potter has some uh, reflections of the cross in it. Because um, because Harry Potter oh spoilers if you haven't read the seventh book, uh, but it's been a long time so mm-hmm. but yeah it's been uh, 20, 20 years yeah Those exactly are really long books though they are really <laughs> long books but he dies for his friends and then comes mm. back to life mm. so we've got a a death for someone else's sacrifice and quote a resurrection well, and not only does he die he has to die yes. to defeat mm-hmm. the evil one. Yes. The one, the one whose name shall not be named. Yes. Thou with no nose. <laughs> <laughs> he who, he shall not, not be named with a nose. Yes. yes. I think that wasn't that his name, Voldemort Sands Nose? Yes. I yes. Think, I think that was the full name. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say his name. Man. I'm so not afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? So, so it, it is easy <laughs> yeah. to sort of. You know, aha, look, the author was thinking this and and read uh, your own sort of spirituality into something. Um, But, you know, if you do the flip side, uh, in Britain, at least, I know you can register yourself as a Jedi for your religion. Really? Yep. Really? Uh, Which, uh, (laughs) um, had I not been a a, a strong Christian, would have been tempting. Yeah, well, absolutely. Just just to have it out there. Just, you know, what what kind of perks come along with that, I want to (laughs) know. That has to make, you know, your census a lot more fun. Yes. Jedi. Yeah. Do you have to go through the Padawan process? Well, I would imagine so. Uh, mm. Although, you know, you can self-declare if you want to. <laughs> so. You just have people going, you're no Jedi. <laughs> He's no Jedi. It is interesting. I think probably um, 
most Americans and 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 a lot of people, maybe outside of the country as well, their personal worldview is formed by a lot of these things and is a sort of an amalgamation of of a little bit of this and a little bit of that and and um, but they uh, they all sort of um, uh, those that that aren't deep into the Christian worldview tend to sort of uh, fall into more of a what goes around comes around mm-hmm. karma the piece karma and thing. and there's good and bad and I want to have more good in my column than in bad mm-hmm. in my you know when I die in my spreadsheet I want to have more good things <laughs> than bad things <laughs> and thank goodness uh, Christianity is not that way uh, because my spreadsheet if you kept very close. Uh, track of it uh, would be completely lopsided uh, if not for the grace of God. When you stand before the judgment throne, you're not going to be, well, I worked at Atonement Lutheran <laughs> Church for uh, yeah. so long, and boy, I was... Doesn't that count? Doesn't it, Don't I get kudos? That, that's you want not, a cookie? Remember that's that time that you were on the podcast and you offended all of the Twilight <laughs> people and all of the Hallmark fans? They'd like to have a conversation with you. Yes, they're right over here. When all your sins are laid out before you and you see the actual cosmic ledger, it's like I'm claiming Christ. Yep. Yeah. I'm yep. with him. St. Yep. Peter is actually a Hallmark movie fan, so it's uh, you have to watch yourself. <laughs> And Die Hard was a Christmas movie. We're, we don't have that, the time nor the season to talk about that. All right, we'll get we to can that. talk about the Christmas and Christian ramifications in Die Hard sometime. That would be we interesting. We should. Interesting discussion. A few months from now. Well, I want to get a little bit into alternate realities concerning Star Wars mm. and, and uh, your take on that. Because I, I just read this on the interwebs yesterday that... Yeah, that's an that's an actual. I don't know if it's a fan hope, but that seven, eight, and nine are going to get uh, wiped out of mm, canon. I read, I read that as well. I, I did also read that uh, there is yeah an interesting sort of uh, thrown, fan thrown on the same pile as push. the Star Wars Christmas special, just yeah. non-canon. Just drop it over mm. there. At, at it, what point do the, though does it become like Fast and Furious where they're like, oh, they're going to make another one? Or, or the James more? Bond movies where, yeah. yeah, oh, there's a new James Bond and you don't explain mm-hmm. why. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> thing, just a different location. Yeah. Just retcon the whole thing. You know, so, sorry, quick side note. On that basis, though, Star Wars could be Hallmark movies then because that's how Hallmark movies are. Is it so anyway, so yeah, back, back to place. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. So my understanding is to explain for those who don't know, they there's been. Uh, I got a button for that one. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin blew my mind. Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> Hall, Hallmark, movie, to, Hallmark we, movies or Star Wars? We movies may just, may have to invest in some better sound effects. <laughs> I'm just saying, the four dollar thing that we got through Amazon right, is not I'm, cutting it. I'm going to set it away. <laughs> the first couple were good. Well, <laughs> before you go into that, let me just say why uh, um, why this is sort of an interesting thing. So I think a lot of people grew up with uh, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Yes. And that was part of their childhood, mm-hmm. right? Um, that like, was my childhood, now well, that I think about it. You know, I had, uh, so there was this thing called a VCR, Sarah. I, I know what that is. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, did they have them in 95? They did. Okay. And we had a limited selection of movies to put in said VCR. And so on a Saturday in the winter when there was nothing to do, 
like we didn't have the internet. We had we had like four channels on, and it was all Bob Ross um, all the time, and. You know, that'll put you to sleep. <laughs> or all Sesame Bob Street. All the time. Right. Or yeah, so you put in Star Wars on a Saturday afternoon when you're bored and you watch it again. Yes. Uh and so that was that was a fairly common thing. Whereas now the entertainment options are just uh mind blowing and, and to watch a movie a second time must mean that you really, really like it. But mm-hmm. so for a lot of people, sort of that's their quintessential. And I think there was a thing that they got right in those first three movies. Um, that were amazing. One was storytelling. Um, they did a really good job of telling a story that had character arcs. They had characters that changed from the beginning to the end. Um, you know, you had a, 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 a young farm boy that became sort of the savior of the universe, a, an arc where he went from uh, knowing nothing to becoming a Jedi master, um, or a Jedi Knight, actually. Um, so I don't get hate mail for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> so you've got that arc. And then you've got a scoundrel uh, in Han Solo who becomes a lovable hero at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so they there's character movement and, a de- and development. with a heart of gold. Exactly. And, and they've got this sort of evil Darth Vader um, who you find out still has good in him and at the end has a redemptive moment. Um, so you got three movies that have like a story arc that makes sense together and they didn't screw up an important formula, which is, uh, good versus evil and good wins. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes movies like to dive into the gray, um, which I think is an interesting piece, but when you have like an action movie like that, uh, good and evil needs to be a little bit clearer. Like you want the... You know, I want a satisfaction of having good win at the end. So at the very end, um, there's the redemptive moment. They've saved the universe. The empire is defeated. Um, everything after that seems to sort of forget some of those key ingredients that make it um, an amazing uh, piece together. There, the 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 episode one, two, and three uh, went back and sort of set it up for that, mm-hmm. and they got. Involved in a lot of politics. There was a lot of exposition, explaining things. Um, there was, uh, you know, like, is this person good? Is this person bad? Um, and At times you felt you were watching C-SPAN. Yeah. 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 You know, oh, hey, another Republic meeting. Uh, great. Let's, <laughs> let's chime in now for a Senate meeting. Um, and uh, so instead of being sort of on the fringe uh, and watching – from a point of view of a character moving through and taking on the empire, you're brought right into a committee meeting at the beginning and, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh. mm-hmm. um, and then seven, eight, nine, um, there was hope, right? As, as, uh, um, listening to a guy talk about this the other day, he said there was all of this hope because, all right, Disney with deep pockets, uh, has bought this from George Lucas and they're bringing in these huge creative people and they're going to get them all in a room, and they're going to come up with an amazing story for seven, eight, and nine, and then they're going to film it, and they're going to spare no expense, and um, you know, so there's all this eternal hope for, woohoo, another four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be amazing? Um, and yet they didn't. They're like, they're the first was first one was done by J.J. Abrams and he had his idea and then they handed it off to Ryan Johnson and he's like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm going to make up some things that you haven't seen in the in the world before 
and then you got uh, movie nine where J.J. Abrams is like, Ryan, you you messed up. I'm going to fix all of that. So, like, he retconned. retconned yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you could watch seven and nine, and it would make sense. You don't even sort of need eight in there. And so I think for a lot of people, it's a missed opportunity um, to create another beautiful story arc. Because let, let, look look at the characters. You've got Ray. Um, all of a sudden, Ray can do amazing things um, and is all powerful sort of at the beginning. And she can fight the major bad guy and, and hold her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do they call that? A Mary Sue? That she just sort of, whatever she needed, she had available to mm-hmm. herself. Um, and then you've got Finn, uh, who doesn't really do much. He doesn't change at all through that. Uh, then you've got Poe, and he's, you know, uh, uh, he. you think he, maybe he's your scoundrel, mm-hmm. uh, but he doesn't really change all the way through that. Right. Um, Adam Driver does a really nice job, I think, um, and and you see some character development there, but but he's not the m- main character. He's he's the, you know, bad guy that you're not supposed to. Right. So yeah. it, it's weird. I And I, every movie came out, you're hopeful. Um, I enjoyed the filmmaking. Some of the um, eight was especially beautiful, I thought, mm-hmm. in terms of cinematography and effects. Um, but that's all icing on the cake for the storytelling. You know, that's mm-hmm. why indie films can be so powerful is they've, Got an amazing story, but they've only got fifty mm-hmm. bucks to make the movie. Right, right. So, uh, two things. First, uh, the video is Star Wars versus the Bible. Yes, and we'll have a link to that, uh, so anybody can watch that because that's interesting. When you when everything you've explained, like you said, you've got uh, in a in a forty year window. Yep, you've got uh, all these different people with all this money, the internet. Um, you know, all ways to communicate and brainstorm and work together to come up with a common theme from the beginning to the end, and they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but way back when, with scrolls and mm. and and rocks and no way to communicate with people over you know thousands of years, we had a common theme in the Bible. So about um, uh, going back about decade ago, uh, maybe a little less than that. Uh, I was contacted by a Hollywood producer. Um, You're kind of a big deal. <laughs> I'm not a big deal. I just know people. I'm the guy behind the guy behind the guy. And I have... Does, does your uh, home I'm, smell of rich mahogany? <laughs> I have a relative who works in... I'll have my people call you a people. <laughs> I have a relative who works in the movie industry who um, this company wanted to come out with a... Bible-based, in modern times, kind of crime drama TV show. Like I, I, oh, I that sounds like a recipe like, for a disaster. Oh, there. <laughs> well, and, it, and I think it was because like the the Holy Bible show came out and mm-hmm. was a big success, and there was you know uh, the Passion of the Christ was a big success, and so ooh, there's a market here. Christians actually like movies and TV shows, and let's give them some Christian stuff. And so my, my relative was like, I know who you need to talk to and gave this guy my number. And I remember saying to him, cause he was like, so where, where do we go? We'd like to do a story with like, you know, we could have uh, uh, a virgin who, who gets pregnant and it's, you know, it's, it's 21st century Philadelphia and we can, you know, and I'm like, okay. They made this on Amazon, didn't they? <laughs> they may have done this. I don't know. <laughs> 
but the point that I made to him is I said, look, you need to figure out what story you you want to say, but in you also need to understand that whatever the story is, for the Christian, there's the assumption that God is real and that God is is present even on the periphery in what's going on. I said, any story you tell, and here I am telling the producer's business, I'm like, any story <laughs> you tell can be traced back to the Bible. Um, the Bible contains all of the great storylines that still captivate us to this day. Mm-hmm. And I would put Star Wars in that too. The the defeat of evil by good in the midst of of tribulation and then deliverance. Um, uh, you know, you have you have stories like um, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. You have Merlin, and you have King Arthur. Well, who's that? That's Samuel and David. Mm. Um, whatever the story is, you can trace it back to the Bible, and it can find its location there. And if you hold to the narrative, like you just said, it rings true to people. Mm-hmm. Because for many of us, the Bible is our story. Um, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like a photo album of relatives gone back. And what I always thought resonated with, with two big movie franchises, four, five, and six followed that, that feeling, that sequence of, of continuity. Um, the Lord of the Rings does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that was done intentionally by the author. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings with a biblical worldview in mind and created his entire universe with a biblical worldview in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would argue with C.S. Lewis about this because they were buddies, and C.S. Lewis wrote The Chronicles of Narnia with a biblical worldview in mind. But what would it look like if it was a completely different reality? And Tolkien was like, ah, oh, that's, that's analogy. We don't like analogies. And C.S. Lewis says, no, it's not. It's not an analogy. And um, uh, Tolkien was like, wait, wait, Aslan's not Jesus Christ? So they had a little going back and forth for a little bit of history there. Mm-hmm. But the point that I was making to, to this producer was that whatever story you're looking for, you're going to find it in the Bible. And if I was a smarter person, I would have been like, and I will tell you what stories you need to do. Uh, you just give me a little bit of this, and, and I'll put that together to you. But, you know, I, I was in a call serving a church, and my response to him was, do you have a Bible? He said, no, I don't have a Bible. I said, get a Bible. And where you go in the Bible, whether it's to Genesis or to Exodus or to the, to the New Testament or, or to Judges, you're going to find stories in there that are going to resonate and connect with you based on what you know today because there's no, there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. These stories are still happening. Um, and the difference is that in the Bible, you see where God is involved in what is happening to work to a positive outcome where good does triumph over evil. Well, isn't that the the... I mean, that was sort of the point of the of the video mm-hmm. that Ryan's referencing there is they got all these Disney people in the same room and they couldn't come up with like a consistent character arc or, or a redemptive arc. And yet the Bible written over 1500 years, 40 different authors has a main character, mm-hmm. God, that uh, that you see um, as it progresses from from creation to the fall, uh, to the people struggling, but God is always there, to God appearing on the scene again, giving his life and a sacrifice, redemption, 
And finally, we'll have the new heaven and the new earth and an eternal win at the end of the Bible. And so it's got this beautiful arc, and and we can see ourselves in there. And that's the beauty of a great movie, too, when you mm-hmm. can, when you can, you know, I joked about uh, marking uh, Jedi as your religion um, on, on a, a forum or whatnot. But it's can you see yourself in the story? And that's what makes a great story is... Um, Lord of the Rings, can you imagine yourself taking the ring to Mordor? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you imagine yourself going through the wardrobe uh, to Narnia? Right. Um, and uh, it draws you in, and yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. it speaks to you in such a way that um, it interprets you mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but there are pitfalls, like you said. I mean, seven, eight, and nine was a great opportunity to give a fresh original interpretation on the old, old story. Mm-hmm. And all they did was repackage four, five, and six, or try to, to the yep. best of their ability. And it just came off as, hmm. A little I, bit I of like that. like the original better. Going after okay. that nostalgia, which yeah. is similar to what that producer who called you was after. They were, right. you know, I, I'm just trying to ride the wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have an original story or anything. I'm just trying to get in on that. Um, yeah. That market. That yeah, market share. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, the other thing to go back and, and finish up what you were talking about originally with with um, what you read, uh, for those who don't know, like you've said, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, seven, eight, and nine, um, they are what's the discussion that that this was this was an alternate universe and and what really happened wasn't what you said this was these were not the movies you were looking uh, yeah for. apparently <laughs> there you, you've hit it right on the nail they're they're from the upside down I, that's what i was gonna say it's the upside down of star wars <laughs> it is interesting you know we spend all this time sort of laying a foundation for for this particular article why do people not like seven and eight so much that there's that there's theories about how they could do away with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I kind of feel bad for the creative team behind seven, eight, nine, because um, a, it's not anytime you put yourself out there in with a creative thing, there's going to be, you know, um, um, the haters, the, the haters. Yeah. Yes. But uh, here's what here, I, I, it just hit me as to what it is that happens in the Bible that is missing seven, eight and nine. And you, you already mentioned it, but I'm going to just put it in a different way. There isn't the journey. Yeah, the hero's journey. Right. Yep. There isn't the journey that leads to the deliverance. Yep. That's the problem with 7, 8, and 9, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, every every good sort of action movie needs a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's sort of a common theme. Uh, you know, Indiana Jones, same kind of thing. Uh, Star Wars, um, uh, someone you can identify with, and they overcome. Mm-hmm. Well, and keeping Napoleon this... Dynamite. Keeping the same old bad guys as Might well. Might be a stretch, but keeping the same old bad guys as well with seven, eight, and nine does not make it fresh. It means that the original journey didn't get the job done. Yeah. So uh, let's pick uh, another piece of Star Wars before we jump back into that. Um, the Mandalorian mm-hmm. has been widely received popularly mm-hmm. um, and uh, um, has an interesting piece because here you have sort of a bounty hunter. Uh, somebody that you that leads a uh, an unsavory lifestyle that you're not going to really want to follow, but yet we start warming up to this character and we see his heart and his humanity as he is 
uh, wrestling with how to protect the baby Yoda, mm-hmm. uh, which we don't know the name of yet, but the baby Yoda. Um, and so, you know, you, you see, you can see we that out or his change it? there too. Can we, can we bleep yeah. out him saying Yoda mm-hmm. when this? <laughs> I, I just started thinking of, there's a really funny TikTok of it that I've seen of an English bulldog dressed up as baby Yoda. And it's just really funny. Nice. <laughs> my brain's at right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so, but people are, are resonating with that because there is a sort of a character arc and, and it, and it feels authentically part of the universe that, uh, especially for people of my generation, it feels authentically part of the same universe rather than sort of a, uh, I don't know, something that's not, that just doesn't yeah. sit quite right. So you've got, you've got the, there's always a swirl of these fans that are like, oh, you know, there's going to be this and there's going to be that because um, that's what they like to talk about. But yeah, um, some are saying because uh, John Favreau was in charge of, of the Mandalorian and it had such a feel that people liked and Kathleen Kennedy was in charge of seven, eight, nine. And many of them did not feel like that was part of their star Wars universe. Then uh, there's rumors of whether or not they're true or not, that there's a sort of an internal struggle between John Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy on the future of star Wars. And even so much so that they figured out a way uh, to, to do some time travel we, uh, in, in the in the words of, of Doctor Who, uh, wibbly wobbly, to uh, fix the problem. Wayne's World. Diddly wasn't yeah. Diddly diddly diddly. Was now the Scooby Doo ending. Here we go. Was Was John Favreau involved with the plotline for Endgame, where they go back and go back in time and I do wait, not wait a minute now. I do not know about that. <laughs> oh yes, my wife has not seen that yet. You're going to be in trouble. Oh hey. hey. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, well, uh, tell me what time that's at, and I'll tell her to plug her ears for a few seconds. Uh, just started about 56 minutes. <laughs> 57. What, you know, it's interesting you brought that up, though. The The Marvel Universe has had success where right. Disney's uh, uh, Star Wars Universe has not had the same success. Right. and it. Um, you go you, along on a journey. You, yeah, they, from, they take you on that journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it takes, what, 15 movies and it's really kind of iron man's yep overall journey but and then they also have sort of a kevin feige sort of watching over the whole thing saying uh no you can't do that but oh yeah you got some freedom there um Mm -hmm. but don't step away from this boundary you know to kind of keep the train moving in the same direction i think that people are are naturally skeptical and you know we we've been raised with screens in front of our faces for 70 years, I mean, since the 50s, right? And so now I think the, the, an audience that really likes a certain entertainment, um, it's important to them, it's meaningful to them. They're quicker to forgive things that if it kind of fits in continuity, okay, I'll let it slide. But the, 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 the dissonance that happens, I think, with 7, 8, and 9 is that it just it's not believable within yeah. the continuity of what's come before. 1, 2, and 3 was a hard swallow for one generation as well, mm-hmm. but you can see the continuity over time. Maybe the same thing will happen with 7, 8, and 9. I don't know. Well, and, and one sort of has to wonder, um, should you try and um, add on to such a universe, mm-hmm. um, or you should, should you create something different? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think... Uh, Harry Potter was hugely successful for many people because uh, it was something new. And so you could start fresh and there were new, right. so that, 
there's sort of ground rules around when you create a universe. And George Lucas established the Star Wars ground rules of what that should be. And then seven, eight, nine, sort of like, oh, we bent those. And people are like, you can't do that. Right. Jedi mm-hmm. don't know how to do that, you right. know. Uh, you just developed you can't teleportation. Do a, yeah, you, you can't do <laughs> Mary Poppins there. And where did this faith, he, or where did this healing thing come from? Right. And, you know, so, yeah, um, yeah so that's rough. So people uh, want to go, I think if I read correctly, um, they want to use something from the Rebels uh, television show to go into a specific Jedi temple and change the past. And I, I didn't catch exactly what they were going to change, but that would effectively orphan seven, eight, nine in an alternate timeline mm-hmm. uh, and then mm-hmm. sort of reboot. And now we can go forward again. Uh, and I would still go see those movies. Yep. Well, I know that's the sad thing. Yeah. Maybe yep. that's the, maybe that's the change they're really looking and, for. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of change. In the words of Mel Brooks at, at the end of uh, a Spaceballs movie, he said, uh, perhaps we'll meet again in Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money. <laughs> now, there's a good Star Wars movie, Spaceballs. Yep. Spaceballs is it's fantastic. Perfect, perfect lampoon of Star Wars. Yes, yes, as as like Galaxy Quest is of Star, uh, uh, Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's all good stuff. Well, uh, I think we are we're reaching our time. Um, so, Mark, I... Thank you for being here and sharing your story. Can you be a Christian and still love Star Wars? I think the answer is yes, as long as you remember which is primary. I just like to, you know, point that out here. Yes. Plus, you know, we sp- we speak of Star Wars with such passion. Yes. Uh, but it's but it's all sort of entertainment, you know, and and our faith is what uh, uh, is eternal and what's uh, most important for us. So. My salvation does not rest on whether or not 7, 8, and 9 are good movies. <laughs> My salvation does not depend upon John Favreau or Kathleen Kennedy. Absolutely. Thank you. It depends upon Jesus Christ. That's right. Or how they dropped the ball with Jar Jar Binks. But that's for another episode. <laughs> so, You know, if Jar Jar Binks would have turned out to be a Sith Lord, uh, w- I think that would have redeemed him. It would have. It would have been fantastic. Yes. So, But that's that's a conspiracy for another day. <laughs> That's for the conspiracy episode. That will that will be the reboot. It won't be Emperor Palpatine. It will be Jar Jar, Emperor, Darth Jar Jar, Emperor Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that have changed everything. I'm not going to do. Circle. I'm not going to do my Jar Jar impersonation at risk of of uh, making mad another segment of your podcast <laughs> community. Oh, well, we better just call it a wrap before we before we offend anyone else. So I could start talking about Twilight again for Pastor DJ Laura. <laughs> And Sarah DeYoung and Mark Soldier, I'm Ryan Janke. Thank you all for joining us today. Have a great week. We'll see you back next.